0: There's a role for somebody in authority to state those challenges and to convene places and spaces where people can talk about and expand what that challenge looks like. They can bring their own perspective to bear. They can bring their own experience. They can bring the experience of community members and clients and families to bear on that challenge and then they can seize their moments where only they can move something forward
1: welcome to the hr lnd podcast where we explore cutting edge hr trends and best practices with top leaders who are shaping the future of work My name is Nick Day and I'm founder of JGA Recruitment Group, a specialist HR search firm. I'm also a qualified executive coach and a recognized HR thought leader listed on Thinkers 360. Together we're going to dive into topics from diversity and inclusion to technology, learning curation and employee experience to help you evolve your people and your development strategies. So whether you're a flourishing HR executive, a rising manager or a seasoned CHRO who's driving transformation, this podcast is for you. So grab your coffee and let's play. Hello and welcome back to the HR L D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JJ Recruitment Group, and we are specialist global HR recruiters. Now today, I'm really excited to be joined by an author who comes highly recommended to me by a very treasured HR contact of mine. Her name is Julia Fabrice McBride, and she's founder and chief leadership development officer at the Kansas Leadership Center. Now we'll know that most of my listeners are working in senior leadership roles. So I thought, what better guest could we have on the show today, but someone who has helped more than 15,000 people around the world who have attended her programs to talk about the subject of leadership. Now, Julia is someone who's also co-authored a fantastic book titled When Everyone Leads. It was co-authored with Ed O'Malley, and it's something we're going to be talking about in a lot more detail during the course of today's episode. Essentially, it's a book that delves into identifying organizational needs, overcoming barriers, empowerment, identifying productivity zones, and helping everyone to lead more successfully. So without further ado, it's my great pleasure to welcome Julia Fabris-McBride to the HR and d Podcast. Julia, how are you feeling today? I am feeling great and very happy to be here, Nick. Thank you. Very, very happy to have you on the show. I'm really excited to talk about the book, but before we do, I'll ask all of my guests this one question. What do the words human resources mean to you?
0: You know, I am first and foremost a leadership coach, and when I think humans... I think the person before me is creative, resourceful, and they are giving me a gift right now. So that's the that's the stand I start with. And you know, when I think of human human resources, I think about the gifts that we give to one another and how to make the most how to help one another make the most of those gifts.
1: Fantastic. What a great start. Because that brings out the human element of the human resources in particular. And when we talk mm. about leaders, we're often referring, of course, to the human leaders in our organizations. We're not yeah. quite in the world of of AI leaders yet. Hopefully, we never will be, but that's my personal view. Just to put this into context for the moment from a leadership perspective, what are some of the major challenges that, that leaders are faced with in the 21st century? Now we're in an age of, of innovation and AI. What are some of the challenges from your side?
0: Yeah, I think the major challenges are that there are two kinds of challenges. There are technical problems and there are adaptive challenges. And we so want to treat them both the same. Technical problems are those that you know the answers to, you've done it before. There's a a checklist or a solution, expertise will solve it. Adaptive challenges are the complex problems that require all kinds of humans bringing their perspectives to bear on the challenge. And we can't make significant progress unless we collaborate. And there's all kinds of different adaptive challenges out there, depending on your industry, the moment. But I think that, that, that human desire to treat an adaptive challenge as if it's a technical problem is the number one challenge.
1: Nice. And obviously, the title of your book is "When Everyone Leads," but it carries on there. The toughest challenges get seen and solved. What are some of the toughest challenges that we do feature in the book? What are some of the things that that have been solved, and perhaps that will really resonate with the, the HR leadership community in particular? that listen to this show.
0: Yeah. Some of the toughest challenges are recruitment and retention. Yeah. They are real. There are their inclusion. Diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, but true inclusion that leads to high engagement and to retention and really workplaces where people want to live and work. Kansas Leadership Center is an organization that is dedicated to the common good. So, whether wherever you are, there are challenges in your community that your employees deal with every day, challenges like Accessibility of child care, quality of life. There there's communities that we interact with where homelessness is a big issue these days. Um, mental and behavioral health for your employees and their families. Those are some of the tough challenges that are adaptive and that require everyone being able to, to see and seize their moments when they can move
1: that challenge forward to being solved. Nice. And I, I imagine, a bit like myself, I'm nodding as you, you give that response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. HR listeners nodding to a lot of the things you, you've just highlighted there. In the, in the world of HR and the agendas for HR professionals with, you know, with their, their challenge at the moment with their leadership in relation to inclusion and relation to diversity and you know, mm-hmm. in recruitment of a constant challenge for HR professionals. You mentioned true inclusion. What do you mean by that?
0: Well, I mean, the kind of inclusion where, first of all, yes, you have a diverse workforce and you, it is equitable opportunities to succeed are equitable and people feel a sense of belonging, but they also feel included in the word leadership. They feel responsible and equipped to be able to exercise leadership From wherever they're located in the organization, whether whether they're entry level, frontline facing, or in the C-suite, anywhere in between, they feel included in that word
1: leadership. Okay, nice. I'm glad to ask the question. I'm going to backtrack slightly because you're the founder, of course, to the Kansas Leadership Center. I've seen in my research over fifteen thousand people have attended your programs globally. So we're not limited to just Kansas here. For those listening, who want to find out more. There will be many links in the show notes, both to the book and, of course, to the wonderful work that you do. I wonder if you to just tell me a little bit about where the I guess, where the motivation, the drive came from to launch the centre in the first place and some of the experiences you've had and some of the, the amazing stories that have come out of the work that you've been doing, but also, really importantly for me, how you've seen leadership evolve since you started mm-hmm. that business. Where are we, Where are we now in the world of leadership?
0: Yes, and I'll just... Be precise. My co-author Ed O'Malley is the founder. I was there in the early days sure. and have a very good sense of what the founding was like. And we we were founded with a, uh, we're a nonprofit, an NGO, and were founded with a large grant from a statewide foundation, the Kansas Health Foundation, that saw that the quality of community was directly, and the health of the people in that community was directly related to the quality and quantity of leadership in the companies, organizations, and government agencies that that served and existed in those communities. So they wanted to see more people exercising more leadership. And as Ed and others, and eventually, myself listened to people. We asked the question, when you think about the future of your community, what concerns you the most? And they would talk about things like talent retention and like the, the economy and people's quality of life and like immigration. And then we'd say, when you think about the future of your community, what are your aspirations? And they would talk about people able to talk across sectors. So businesses and governments and citizens and nonprofit organizations able to bring their diverse perspectives to bear on these big challenges. So very focused from the very beginning across sectors. And we now serve 6,000 to 7,000 people a year in our state but also globally yeah. and many of those are in big tech and many of those are in small nonprofits you know here in our community and and beyond so from the beginning we were asking people what are your aspirations and what are your biggest concerns and we were asking what makes leadership so difficult in trying to bridge that gap between concerns and aspirations. And what they told us, and you know, we whittled it down into a set of leadership principles and competencies, is that we need people thinking about leadership as an activity, not a position. And an activity that's available to anyone, anytime, anywhere. And that that activity is about making progress and eventually solving our toughest adaptive challenges so that's what we heard from people and we then built wrote started writing books and building curriculum and doing training in businesses and here in our center in downtown Wichita Kansas we started training people but a very different kind of training an experiential training where they're bringing their challenges And they are workshopping them and making beginning to understand them differently right there in the room. Too often, I think leadership training is really removed. First of all, it's focused on only the top people in an organization here. People come often in teams that might include a vice president or even a CEO or the provost of a university, but also somebody who's on faculty or somebody who is a healthcare assistant who's who's coming along with a vice president from the hospital. And people are thinking, what are our challenges? What are the unique perspectives we bring? What are the values we represent? And now that we understand all that, how do we begin to experiment our way forward? And you asked about how have things changed? Yeah, I think um here in our state and in communities where there's where 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 it's we we sometimes talk about saturating a company or a community with people who think about leadership as an activity, people are seeing. Uh, employee engagement go up. People feel more fulfilled, and people have a common language about this distinction between the technical work of okay, you can you're an expert there. And my gosh, there's so much that HR people and training and development people are experts at. So, like, we bring our expertise there, but with these more complex issues that you know you can't solve alone, more people in communities here in Kansas, but also in some of the the bigger companies and organizations we work with nationally and globally are having a common language to talk about those challenges. And so they are making, reporting that they're making more progress. Now, have we hit the holy grail? Can we come in and tell you exactly how to, we can't come in and tell you how to solve your adaptive challenge, but we can provide skills And coaching and support for people to see their challenge, see their part of the challenge, and then move in the same direction differently, you know, depending on whether they're CEO or middle manager or frontline worker to really make big changes.
1: It's really nice. I think it's a for me, it's a really modern approach to leadership. Right? Yes. I think leadership yes. changed significantly since I came into this in, into the world of recruitment twenty years ago. So, how has it changed for you? Like for you, how has it changed? Well, I think you've highlighted a few things. One is collaboration, the idea, or, or the removal of the title manager and moving into a world of leadership. For me, they're very different things. To be a manager and to be a leader are very different things, mm-hmm. and and part of that distinction is the idea that. And I'll link it back to your book. When your book, of course, is an extension of all the things you've talked about and all the learnings mm-hmm. you've had from the centre, and it's obviously co-authored with with the founder, Ed O'Malley. But you say in that book, and um, just, and I will come back to your question, um, where you're going to try and change one soul at a time. Now, finally, how I've seen things change to that statement, what I love about the, the whole idea of leadership and why I'm so, um, I, I guess, privileged to be in a position to speak to leaders like yourself and to read and to learn more about it, is everybody is a leader, whether you're just leading yourself or whether you're leading others. It's the idea, the premise, the common language you mentioned as well of that Raising of awareness to say we all lead at different times. We all lead whether ourselves, we all lead in projects, we lead in thinking, we lead in creativity, we lead in the way that we report, we lead in the way that we act, we think. So many different facets of our life. But to pigeonhole all that into a title like, I don't know, operations manager, I think is for me now outdated. We want leaders across all facets of business. And when people have that, for me, that that level of awareness that they are in a position of leadership, whether they have a title that says that or not, mm-hmm. I think is really empowering. And I'm would lo- I love to see people empowered. I love to see people to feel like they can be brave and show courage to make decisions and share thoughts in an unmuted environment. And I think leadership can really play into helping people have that mindset. So I guess that's that's how one of the reasons I'm really passionate about leadership for myself. And yes, of course, I lead a team in my own recruitment business, but I also lead myself and the way I hold myself accountable is also important. So, you know, I, I love I love the concept you talk about your book and changing people one soul at a time. Mm. Uh, you say it's 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 a primer for anyone who wants to make a positive impact on the world. And that's how I see leadership. Yes. Um certainly post-pandemic, and I think now that things like mental health which you actually touched upon earlier on in the show really was thrust into the limelight during that time but what's been your experience post pandemic have you seen a cultural shift in in management of leadership as i see it or in the the concept of leadership not just being for leaders and i use that in inverted commas it's for for me it's for everybody
0: yes we've we have seen that we've seen I mean, we've we've been working in that space, so we partner with a lot of organizations that share that value. I think the thing I'll, I'll say that's maybe a little bit different from what you're talking about is, I think there are there's still the necessity of structure and management, for sure. and a th- what we would call authority. But too often, we're waiting for those people in authority to dictate the way forward on complex challenges. And if somebody, so the organizations that I think are making the most progress are able to say, okay, this is, this is where we really need to make progress. We're working with a behavioral health organization that knows they, they, they have two, ch- two challenges. One is to really shift the way that they do business from mental health as their laser focus to holistic health to the whole person. And to do that, they have to really re- maintain and retain a high-quality workforce. Sure. So those are their two very interconnected adaptive challenges. And there's a role for somebody in authority to state those challenges and to convene places and spaces where people can talk about and expand what that challenge looks like. They can bring their own perspective to bear. They can bring their own experience. They can bring the experience of community members and clients and families to bear on that challenge and then they can seize their moments where only they can move something forward and the more people you have doing that the more effective you'll be
1: yeah i think uh, for, for me we're speaking the same language maybe i didn't articulate it in the way that uh, it came across but for me it's a bit like having a, so treating, in that example you gave, it's treating the disease, not the symptom, right? The, the holistic approach of not just putting a, a plaster over a problem, and I'm thinking that's right, mm-hmm. but looking at it more holistically. So right. if we think about it in that context, as you have articulated much better than I did, but if we think about it in, in that way, the way I like it, of course we need leaders in all organisations to, to, to drive things forward, and people will look up as well as we look down to, to make that happen. But it's no longer about being dictatorial in the way that we do that. You do it this way because I said so. It's right. actually getting the people that you are leading to answer some of those questions for themselves. You know, come to me, Nick, I have a problem. I don't have how to solve it. Rather than me going, do this. is what do you what would you do? What do you yeah, think? Yeah. Let my mentor you, maybe I can direct you, but they're still leading their response to that. Oh, well, let me think Definitely. about it. So that's kind of the way that I meant it. I think that's where um, if, if, we, if we bring that into a collaborative space we can see real success. I mean, obviously you see this real success on a daily basis, but you mentioned a lot. Uh, it's, it's a word that I'm not as familiar with in, in, in a leadership context, but it's it resonates when you talk about it, which is that uh, word adaptive. And it's obviously forms a strong mm. part of, of your framework for leadership. I wonder if you could just explore that a little bit more for me.
0: Yeah, thank you. The idea of an adaptive challenge comes from the work of Ron Heifetz and Marty Linsky at the Kennedy School at Harvard and at a, a through their work in an organization called Cambridge Leadership Associates. They that's their word for the big hairy, hairy challenges or there there's other words, voca we could call it, but those complex challenges that Involve people so often. You know, it's it. You can't think your way through. You have to kind of bring your empathy, bring your compassion, bring your curiosity. They are also Ron Heifetz has a background in medicine, and he brought and genetics, and he brought the word adaptive because often change. I mean, change is requires loss, and it requires deciding what are you going to keep and what are we going to let go of? So a lot of leadership, one of the things we teach about leadership is it really involves speaking to loss and allowing people to talk through and work through what they need to let go. I mean, in that behavioral health example, for instance, People have probably gotten pretty good at, pretty competent at the laser focus on mental health. You ask your workforce of 300 people to start thinking holistically, there's going to be loss, certainly loss of competence, you know, the way I've always done it, loss of maybe the people I've always worked with. Oh. And we have to leadership means collaborating to, to work through that loss. And leadership on adaptive, with an adaptive challenge, there's always going to be a clash of values. So, even like within the organization, sometimes within people, uh, a clash of what are we going to prioritize now in order to be able to move forward. That doesn't necessarily mean we're giving up on efficiency, perhaps, but we're going to prioritize experimentation and learning so that we can get to some balance of efficiency in the new in the new reality
1: have you ever asked yourself how can any recruiter understand my hr recruitment challenges please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet here at jga hr recruitment we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting recruiting and retaining top human resources talent we also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. So I've, I've recorded, it must be nearly 100 shows now. This is really interesting for me because... I've featured some great leaders on the show, right? And of course, you're one of uh, one of those people that, that, that fits into that box for sure. I've never heard leadership talked about in the in the context of loss. And mm-hmm. I thought uh, you were going to go down that, and it was interesting. My head, my brain had sped ahead and I was thinking, well, you're talking about loss, which what you're going to be talking about therefore is the resistance to change. Mm-hmm. But actually, that's part of it. You took it further. So loss isn't just about employee resistance and we know we're going to have that through any transformation the hr leaders listening to this know that when they come to any board level decision that gets put down to them and they've got to launch a, a redundancy program or a new system change whatever it is there's going to be resistance to that mm-hmm. transformational change it's where i thought you were going to go but actually loss was i think was a, a broader term that in, resistance only plays a part in that summary. So for me, that was really interesting. So where in in your mind does resistance sit within that framework?
0: Well, I think think resistance, I mean, resistance can sit in a lot of different places, but I think the, the big one is not necessarily fear of change, but fear of the loss that comes with change. And often... That loss is to my my sense of competence, my sense of confidence that I'm valuable in this organization, and my sense that I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Because when when change happens, um, when an organization restructures for a really for a good purpose, and the CEO can stand up and talk about the why, but people will. I mean, my experience is people will try will ask question upon question upon question upon question, and really, what there's you know the 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 resistance that the reason for the questions is I'm terrified that there's not going to be a place for me that I like on the other side of this transition. Yeah, nice. And I've I've experienced that myself. You know, I, I try to rise above it, and I try to admit it, and I try to create spaces here at KLC where people can name their fears and get coaching from their manager, or their peer, or maybe an outside coach to work through those fears, so that then the questions become become less. Hey, tell me how. Then, hmm. How can we work on doing this in the best possible
1: way? And it touches upon an innate thing that all humans have, right, is we have a, a innate want or wish to feel secure, to feel safe. So yeah. I, that plays into to that, of course. And you mentioned the word fear. For me, and people have their own definitions, but for me, fear is, is, is two things coming together. It's uncertainty plus anxiety. If you can remove one of those things, you can move away from fear and into potentially one of those boxes. So that's great. That's what people could do. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, it, for me, I use it in my day-to-day life. If I'm fearful of something, I think, what am I? What am I uncertain about? What am I anxious about? Can I remove one of those things and create, turn the fear into uncertainty? It's it's not a great place to be, but it's better. No, that's that. fabulous. Nick. I love that. And I think you've summed that up really well. When we're going through change, they're the things that hit us. They're the things we need to overcome. And, of course, your book, to bring it back to to the show, really, or when everyone needs the book itself, it's full of real-life examples. It's full of stories and anecdotes. So we need to listen to those because anecdotes and stories are human experience of a change. It's it's, it's what comes out of a change project. And the leaders, as you say, the great leaders rise to the top in that situation. But someone listening to this show now... Desperate to get a copy of the book. What's what's the thing that you would be most happy or, or keen for them to walk away with?
0: Well, I want them to know, especially since you're talking to an international audience, that this book is available uh, digitally, so really easy to get wherever books are sold. I, I recorded the audiobook, so I brought in some of my acting training awesome. and experience to recording the audiobook, so I'm excited to get that out in the world. And if if the book is not, if you want a hard copy and it's not av- immediately available where you are, please reach out to me at the Kansas Leadership Center and I'll, I'll just make sure you get connected to that.
1: And all of those links will be in the show notes for those listening. So click straight through yeah. to the show notes and you can access that straight away.
0: And so- the other thing to know is we have discussion guides that I have now. the book's been out now for three months and I've, I've seen organizations using this discussion guide, banks, tech companies, a library system to really, Im, to, to share the idea that we need cultures where everyone leads and to get people talking about how to bring skills they already have, asking good questions, trying things and learning from them, making diff- making multiple interpretations about what's going on in a situation, to bring skills like that to a shared adaptive challenge, that's leadership. And so we have these discussion guides that get people talking about
1: what does that look like here in our organization. And the, the book provides some of that framework, doesn't it? It provides about the adaptive leadership style. Obviously, it's an engaging format because it's, it's told through, through stories, so it allows the insights to, to linger a little bit longer. Well, for the book itself, so, so that people are clear that are listening, I, we have we have never met before, and I found you on the other side of the world over in Kansas because the book became came so highly recommended to me by a really trusted senior leader and I, she said to me, you've got to, to get Julie on the show because we need to bring this, this book into the masses. So I hope those listening to this, I cannot tell you how highly this book came recommended to me. So please do check it out. Please do have the links and, and, and find it through. But in terms of an implementable takeaway from the book, if I'm an HR leader listening to this now, and like I'm going to read this book, I get access to the framework, what, what are the steps that I could immediately potentially? what are the, some of the insights I can immediately come away with that I can start implementing in my own organisations?
0: Yep. There's two things. One is chapter five Take is a facilitation guide for facilitating a conversation about what are our biggest adaptive challenges. So you can use that with teams, with your senior leadership or your executive team to try to focus on what are those challenges where we really need everybody leading. So that's one. And I think the other one is there's a chapter on making leadership less risky for others. And that chapter, and I've been doing some workshops for managers around this one, that chapter is really good about, okay, people are people are gonna be afraid. We're asking them to step out a little bit outside their lane to ask a different kind of question and contribute to understanding of a complex challenge. How do you create the space and the, the safety for them to do that? So kind of those two chapters, it's chapter five and then chapter, I think it's one of the later chapters on make leadership less risky for others. Big takeaways for any HR professional.
1: And obviously the takeaway I asked you to give was about what they could implement straight away. They're two great examples for them to use. But there's also a big focus on starting with you. So if yes. I'm a reader of that now, give me some insight into where I can start. I want to be a better leader. I like to think I'm not a bad one already, but I'm always trying to self-improve. I read and I listen and I'm always trying to – that's a constant journey, right? So I talk sometimes about the authenticity Paradox where my beliefs and values change every day, and, and when I learn new things, it's the same in terms of leadership. I'll hopefully tomorrow I'll be a better leader than I am today. But you, you have a, a whole focus on starting with you. So, from that context, what what advice might you give to a leader that that wants to start with themselves to to improve?
0: Make leadership is an activity, and and the definition of leadership you'll find in the book is leadership is mobilizing other people. To make progress on tough challenges nice so it puts the it it like authorize yourself and really take time to consider what's the big challenge and it may be that you want to make progress on but if it's employee engagement or if it's equity and inclusion aim that and pick one start with your sphere of influence start asking other people their opinion about that challenge Take a little minute to describe how you see the challenge, but then say, how do you see it Uh, as an interviewer knowing the book? Because I think that that, you drew me back to that start with you. And, And just to underline it again, authorize yourself to lead, choose your challenge, let it be a complex one that you have no idea how to solve, and then start asking other people what, how they see it.
1: Perfect. I would often, that'd be a great place to finish before we open the l and evolve. Vault. I'm going to ask one final question if I can, because mm-hmm. I have you on the show and it's a great opportunity for me to do so. Where do you see the future of leadership? To me, the
0: future of leadership is this book. It's more and more organizations, whether they, whether they have the book or not, sure. embracing the idea that we want a culture where everyone leads. And not only do we want it to thrive in the 21st century, we have to have it.
1: Nice, what a great way to to finish the questions for the show. I'm gonna open the H&D vaults. These are just three short, sharp questions to engage our listeners. They'll be familiar with this section of the show already. Opening the L&D vault first question is this. If you were a younger you, just starting out in this new world of work, what would you like to know? What would you do? What would you change?
0: You know, I started out as an actor. So I was totally on my own, auditioning for shows, working in restaurants, working in a bookstore. And I would definitely do that again. Uh, But I also think that I would spend some time in my twenties or my early thirties working in a big corporation because I am so admiring of people who do good work in that setting. And I've never done it myself.
1: Wow. That's, it's not too dissimilar to my own story. I mean, I started as an actor as well. You may or may not know that I did a, a no. post grad in uh, in theater studies um, as well, a master's in, in theater. And uh, I've ne- also never worked in a major corporation. I've worked with, thousands of them but never yeah involved. me too I totally understand how that feels i'd love to have that experience myself i can only imagine what it would be like the second question is if you could change and i appreciate the, you the work that you do is is of a broader context than just the world of hr but for what you know in your experience of working with hr leaders if you could change the entire hr industry with one actional improvement what would that actional improvement be
0: And I know this happens in lots of places, but I would put the HR people in the room at the beginning of every conversation. Because I think, again, going back to people, potential, that's what we have. If thinking about the people is even the second thing you think about, you're behind.
1: Yeah, I love that. Love that. You know what? This this podcast show started with me nodding my head and assuming <laughs> you. I suspect we're finishing in the same place. There's lots of nodding heads out there. So, last question is this, and I wanted to ask this earlier in the show, but for those that are already familiar with this part of the, the podcast, I had to wait until the it's purposeful place. But in your experience, what's the one quality that you see in every great leader that you've worked with? Hard to say
0: one, isn't it? it is because hard. I always want to balance it. <laughs> I am gonna. I'm just gonna do it. Compassion and accountability. So compassionate accountability.
1: I love that. I tell you why I love that. I'm not just saying this to curry favour. I can assure you, the most common answer I get is empathy, which I totally agree with. Uh, I get kindness as well. Compassion. I don't think I've ever had before. And compassion would be my response. I wouldn't have necessarily added the accountability piece, but I, for me, compassion is absolutely. The, most, the, the greatest quality that I see in great leaders. I've never mentioned this before on the show because no one's ever given me that answer. It's always been empathy, which I don't think is a million miles away from compassion. Mm-mm. Sometimes I think we can have too much empathy that can take us away from great leadership. Compassion, however, I think, is something that you can't have too much of in a way that whatever detracts your ability to leave. That's my personal view. So I'm so excited. you've given an answer. And I've been waiting well, and i
0: I have to be straightforward. Episodes. my my friend and colleague Nate Regeer has a book coming out that's called Compassionate Accountability. Okay, and it's on my mind, and it just feels so perfect because I agree with you about compassion. And then I'm finding perhaps as I get older that people so appreciate directness, accountability, clarity. But but you, if you have one without the other, you're sunk.
1: Yeah, for sure. What a what a privilege it's been for me today, Julia Fabrice McBride. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Of course, for those interested in the book, there'll be a link in the show notes. there will also be a link to the Kansas Leadership Centre. There'll be a link to the Amazon page where you can pick up a copy of the book as well and also put some connection links in there so you can reach out and connect with Julia directly if you wish to do so. If you want to find out more about the wonderful work or, of course, the global programmes. We're not limited just to Kansas here. The global programmes that Julia has created, if you may want to subscribe and and find out more, please do so. Thank you so much for joining the HR and d Podcast. And of course, if you're an HR or L&D professional listening to this show and you need support with an HR-related vacancy, we Talks at the start of this show but one of the major challenges being retention and attraction of staff that's what i've been doing for over 20 years as have my wonderful team that i'm supported here at JJ recruitment so please do give us a call or get in touch if we can support you with those particular requirements and our link will also be in the show notes which is jgarecruitment.com julia thank you so much it's been my privilege i've enjoyed every minute i think we could probably talk for hours but i must let you go so thank all you right so much, so much for joining me today thank you That's it for today's episode of the HR L&D podcast. I hope you found this discussion informative and thought-provoking, and that it gave you actionable insights to help you drive your HR agenda forward. Please remember to subscribe to the show so you never miss a future episode. And I'd also love to hear from you. So if you enjoyed this show, please do leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback helps me to ensure I can continue to bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Oh, and don't forget to share this show with your colleagues and fellow HR leaders as well. The more we spread the word, the more we can grow our community of HR professionals who I know are all as dedicated to driving the future of work forward as I am. Thanks, of course, for tuning in. My name is Nick Gay. Please do look me up on LinkedIn and send me a connection request. It would be great to get connected. In the meantime, I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the HR L&D podcast real soon.